Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Skeptic Hangout, the place where we sit back, relax, and chit-chat about intriguing and sometimes controversial topics through the lens of skepticism. With us today, we have Richard Jolliver from Skeptic Takeout, Laura McGee from Unapologetically Me, and Richard Gill from The Yorkshire Atheist. Today, we are going to be talking about ancient aliens. So grab your English tea or your double shot espresso, or if you're not into hot caffeinated beverages, your kids leftover Halloween candy and join us as we discuss where the pyramids really came from. This is episode 37, Ancient Aliens. I don't feel like I have much subject knowledge on this this topic, but that's uh, not unusual for most of the topics that we talk about anyway. So the Ancient Aliens is like one of my favorite TV shows to fall asleep to. Because one, I'm not afraid of <laughs> I'm not afraid of missing anything that is said. But two, like if I'm if my brain's a little bit active and stuff, it does kind of get my brain gears sort of like half sort of engaged. Um but it's just interesting. And now we're talking about the TV show, not the concept. But um, that's where my brain goes when I hear ancient aliens is the whole like um, Eric Von Danigan, um, Giorgio Sukalos, like that whole camp of people who are convinced that um, that there used to be like high technology and aliens on Earth in ancient times and that that's what shaped um, human civilization. So I, I guess the two kind of go hand in hand. Um, have either of you guys ever watched that show? Yeah. I have unfortunately been uh, a party to it. My, I haven't my seen favorite... it, but you two, are, you two are giving it high praise, so I must put it on must watch list. Oh my god! If you ever want to like challenge yourself for like your own historical or scientific knowledge, or if you just want to challenge yourself for where you can pick out, um, like especially with skepticism, where you can pick out truth versus conjecture versus just opinion, this is the show for you. Like it is. Chalk. And it's really helpful it. because it actually helps you along in that area because it actually uh, yeah. says on virtually an episode by episode basis, this is not what the uh, experts in the field think. <laughs> However, <laughs> it's like ancient or like uh, historians believe blah, 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 but it could have been. <laughs> the person who wrote that script left all the red flags at home that day. <laughs> They're like, this is bullshit. This is crap. This has no basis. All right, let's put it in. <laughs> now, so Laura, Laura mentioned Eric Von Daniken, and I think that's a good place to start with any conversation about alien, ancient aliens because he, yeah. I don't know what year it was, but he wrote the book, The Chariots of the Gods, which if it didn't start this whole thing all together about it. It, it. it certainly brought it into the mainstream about ancient aliens. So Laura's as a resident expert I most <laughs> on ancient aliens. Have you read not. it? <laughs> I know nothing about the movement other than what little things you can glean from the show itself. And also, like I did a little bit of research on some of their individual claims. And in doing so, I sort of read accidentally, like a little bit about Von Danigan and stuff like that. For example, I read that a lot of his translations of some of the ancient scripts are just his own translations. Like he's the only one that translates it that way. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But um, I really I don't know a lot about it. It's almost like a cultish religious movement, if you ask me. Um, the people who follow him and his writings and his teachings. Um, my my basic understandings of some of the the ideas that with ancient aliens are that it's like a theogenesis story like the start of gods as an idea like maybe there were extraterrestrials who came and they would solve the inspiration or were actually the first deities of, of humans and all of that lot but also about things like you know people say oh well, we don't know how technological people build the pyramids so there must have been aliens who came and did that and brought superior technology um and there's been like carvings and paintings of things that have variable levels of similarities to like people with astronauts helmets or things that might look like what 
they thought spaceships looked like in, in the 1950s or <laughs> things like that, that that then people just add two and two together and get 284,487,325.4 yeah yeah. There's there's certainly some stacking of claims going off, and yeah. it it's, it seems to the uh, I mean I don't know because I'm not an expert in the field either, but it it seems to be I don't think anybody's an expert in the field. I think people just make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> it seems it expert seems in the field of ancient alien theology. Or... It started off uh, started off as a kind of nice uh, little idea, and it's kind of taken on like a lot of things do a life of its own and if if you watch ancient aliens the tv show it, it's it's every culture it's every culture in the world that's been visited by ancient aliens and the evidence is everywhere in the scriptures and in the architecture and it's all bullshit of course but the uh it, it's within that culture that's that's the case and then you've got a uh, little uh, side things like Raelianism. Which mm-hmm. which spring up from that, um, and uh, you know other other little cultish offshoots. Which okay, I think I think it's one of those things we spoke the other week, didn't we, about kind of new age uh, things uh, really taking off in the sixties and seventies, nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies, and I think that's one of those things that the idea of ancient aliens really started like growing and reaching a wider audience then. Yeah, it it is almost like what you said earlier, where it's sort of a response. It's almost in a way, an anti-religion response, religion. Like it's a religion that responds to religion Um, in the sense that um, it seems to me like the whole ancient aliens movement is trying to explain away some of our cultural mythological and theological ideas and where those ideas came from um and so in in that response like i I like how you say that where it's like oh i can't remember if it was gill or jilver who said this where the the main claims are basically that oh all those god claims and all those theologies and beliefs and scriptures it was all just us accidentally mistaking aliens for gods like they were mortal they they you two keep on talking i'm just going to disappear a minute and murder one of my cats just bear with me (laughs) Absolutely. So just mute it so we don't have to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We are, he is, of course, joking about murdering the cats just, just for uh, our listeners. <laughs> you don't want to get any <laughs> want nasty no emails. Complaints, no. <laughs> um, because they will probably blame me because most people do for everything. Um, I, uh, <laughs> um, that, that, that's an interesting point about it because. If you have a look at kind of the UFO phenomenon in general, and I don't want, I want to try and stick as much as possible with ancient aliens rather than coming on to the modern UFO phenomena. But one one of the ideas within the modern UFO phenomena is that one when kind of skeptics put forward the idea that it's a new cultural phenomenon, they'll say, no, it's not. It's actually been going on for a long time, but in, in the past, they interpreted them as goblins or elves or whatever they were, answer, these yeah. alien visitors. So they have actually been visiting us continuously. Uh, that I find very interesting. Because it goes back to the, the fact that people in the past, like, um, you know, didn't have modern scientific ways of explaining things that were happening. And so I had to go down the route of things which nowadays sound like folklore and stories and, you know, strange depictions of things and gods and whatever else. Like, I can understand that idea in and of itself. I just don't necessarily get to the same conclusion as the the people who propose all this. So that brings up a really interesting point that I was thinking about um, earlier is that ancient alien, um, I keep calling it theology, if there's a better word, um, pseudoscience. yeah pseudoscience. the whole movement is really predicated on like a lot of precepts but two like really really big precepts and one is that there are no gods which um i'm fine with that precept uh precept in, in terms of just general conversation but um there are no gods and that humankind is incapable of having the kind of innovations and and advancements in technology that we've had over the the um recorded history so these two precepts are like they're they're not really founded in anything. Um, they're sort of just concluded, and then they're um, what do you call it? Like they're kind of like shoved into their their theology. Like 
as though it's the truth, right? Like like modern technology and things. Like I don't think someone from absolutely nothing, like say if you just asked a person from the 1600s to invent a modern day laptop, like there's no way they could get from where they were then to what we've got now. But it's that whole idea of like standing on the shoulders of giants, isn't it? Like the stuff we have now is just incrementally better than last time, incrementally better. And suddenly we've got supercomputers and nuclear power stations and whatever else. And it's, it's that idea of, yeah, I think it would be inconceivable to think, well, how have we got here so fast? And you think about the technological innovations that have happened even just, you know, in the last 150, 200 years. Yeah. Um, but certainly I, I likewise don't think it's out of the realms of possibility to think that there were things that people in ancient times were able to do. And then that technology or those practices or those skills that they had sort of died out for a while. And then we've relearned them in other places in other times later. Um, yeah, I think, again, it's, it's that thing of the question that's being asked isn't necessarily a bad one. It's just the answers. Yes, I, yeah. I've got a slight pushback on Laura, actually, because I, I've seen... Uh, oh, good, you normally uh, have pushbacks on me. No, he so. always has pushbacks on me. <laughs> I, our good friend, Ethan Michael, uh-huh. uh, friend of the show, um, did a, 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 me a wonderful favour and invited me to a, a UFO group um for his, his own unbeknown reasons i've no idea why he invited me to a ufo group which was both a blessing and a curse it was a blessing because there was some fucking cracking <laughs> cracking there's some good material in there to felt for laughing but the uh it, some of the beliefs and things in there are, are, are quite bad and one of the things that is quite prevalent in there is that ancient aliens were actually related to the god belief and there is a god and what we we consider ancient aliens are actually the demons that were around at the time so people who who, at least some corner of that kind of belief system does believe in a god no that's that's true okay so i should clarify what i'm saying is they they think that ancient religions were written to try and describe what was happening at the time and that that people what people were describing as gods were in fact aliens yeah Yeah. so not that there are no gods just that the god beliefs described in ancient scriptures are actually describing aliens not gods yeah which to me is also that's maybe even a more problematic precept than just the flat out which is problematic enough just saying there are no gods that's problematic enough because then now the burden of proof is on you but when you start saying well there are gods but just these aren't the gods and they're aliens. Now you're you're adding additional, you're you're adding more complexity to it. So it's it's almost worse <laughs> saying it. I, I think every step of this, every step of this belief, regardless of the subtleties that the different kind of corners of it employ, every step of this belief is just it, it's adding complexities. I, I think that's how the you know the, they're not content with you know the Buddhist scriptures, so they add complexity into it by saying, well, right. this means this. They're not in content with the Christian scriptures, so they add complexity into it by adding it's stuff that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, what's that What's that um, way of approaching things? I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, where when you look at all the different possibilities, the one that tends to be the most simple and has the least amount of... Um, what's that? Occam's razor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this kind of flips it on its head where instead of coming up with simple, elegant explanations, they're coming up with really complex, convoluted explanations. And what I think really got me personally about the ancient alien belief, because if you look at it on its surface and keep it simple, then it kind of has a lot of appeal to it where it's like, if you just look at, I don't know a lot about history. I don't know how the pyramids got there. I bet we had advanced civilizations that were more advanced than what we know. And just leave it at that. Like it could have a lot of appeal to it. But for me, what really crushed any sort of ancient alien um, credibility is lying about different historical facts or misrepresenting them or just changing the data altogether. And they do that a lot on the TV show, and it drives yeah. me bananas. And a lot of it I didn't even know about until I started studying anthropology. And then I, go, I went back and started watching some of the episodes I'd already watched, and I was catching new things that I didn't really realize at the time were either deliberate falsehoods or misrepresentations of what's really there. And that, that irks me about any sort of pursuit of truth or any sort of belief system about our past or where we come from. When you start just making shit up and then presenting it as a truth, you, 
yeah, that that just fires me up. Because it's one of those yeah. occasions as well where, like, let's take the uh, Egyptian pyramids as an example, and people say, oh, we don't know how they were built with the technology at the time, and so therefore let's go down this explanation route. Right. But, like, we like keep finding out more information about things like that I, I don't know of any specifics off the top of my head but you know like people do research this and find out more information oh we found these chisel marks here or we found this so we think you know we think this is or we've analyzed the stone and it's like I'm just making shit up now at the moment for examples but people find new information about that all the time but again it's one of those where the information that people find out and research just doesn't impact the conclusion that these people have have, have come to um yeah that's true. it's that unwillingness yeah. to take on new information and change your mind isn't it i think the whole sphere of ancient alien belief is just a, a very good example of uh how to uh, looking at it is a good example of how to practice skepticism yeah. on the whole it's uh, from start i mean i've not come across the uh i've not watched ancient aliens the tv show and we're not just talking about the tv show no the, the whole here, concept it, overall but uh, I've, I've not watched the tv show enough to, to say that I think anybody's definitively making something up, as, as Laura has. But I've not seen very many episodes of it. This certainly twisting things uh, way out, you know, misrepresenting things and twisting things way out of... So to, to me, there, there must be some, at least a little bit of an element of... Uh, and I'm being charitable here when I say this because the alternative is that they really are that stupid and gullible that they actually believe that to be true. And I think that's that's worse than the fact that they're, they're just kind of uh, trying to... I don't want to say deliberately lie, certainly seeing things in a certain light and <laughs> ignoring data. So to, I will say there's a big difference especially when I'm talking between people who just believe in the ancient aliens concept and some of these progenitors, progenitors, the people who are putting it forward as, as educators, right? So Von Danigan specifically and his, his ilk, his crew. Um, I, I think that they're probably the most guilty of deliberate um, uh, deception. Um, and, and I can, I'll, I'll stand behind that too. But just somebody who believes in ancient aliens or, or that theory or, or somebody who embraces the concepts of it, I don't really think that there's deliberate deception necessarily. In fact, they're more than likely being deceived. But um, like, I'll give you one example. Um, when I started studying Easter Islands in college and learning about how they were able to make the, the MOAs, the statues, there's a lot of data out there. And I remembered, I was like, oh, I remember seeing an episode of um, ancient aliens about this so I went back and watched it and I was floored at the deliberate um, like I, I even started doing a side-by-side comparison because I it, it really spun me up um, or it really caught my interest I should say it wasn't emotional it was more intellectual but um, I started really researching more into it and they have a lot of data on the MOAs and how they were created and how they were moved in the history of these people um, that isn't represented in the episode but one thing was the episode air date um, was several years after they did this experiment where they walked the MOAs. Like they, they actually learned how the people did it with ropes and stuff. And it was fairly simple. And the guys were able to walk it fairly easily. And it was a really cool discovery. And it was like three years or something prior to the air date. And on the air date in the show, they say, we still don't know how they moved the statues, right? And, um, and oh, it's an impossible to walk them this way. They're too heavy, blah, blah, blah. And they make statements that deliberately go against the experiments and the the data that's already been collected by scientists could have understood if it was like even six months to a year after that was discovered because you know maybe the producers haven't been aware of that information but three years right. they definitely know that don't but, and i'm they? not and i'm not sure about the exact date but one way or another right. correct your information don't put information out there that's deliberately incorrect um so if the air date was beforehand yeah maybe i can kind of see like well they hadn't done that that particular experiment yet or whatever um, and yeah, maybe the script was written prior to that, but do you not fact check your data before putting it out there as truth? Like, do you not double check that it's still accurate? Um, so yeah, it, it really leads me to believe that um, it's not necessarily a pursuit of truth. It's, it's a pursuit of an idea and we're going to back that idea up in whatever ways we can. Um, do, we, do you think that, and, and I, I, I want to just interject before I ask this question, before I answer this question. But do you think that they 
are aware of the true data and ignore it on purpose? Or do you think that they stay away from it on purpose so they don't have to address it? But just before I come back to your answer on that, I just want to clarify one thing. And you didn't get something wrong here, but you glossed over a little bit. And I want to make sure that people understand the difference in Occam's razor because we've made this mistake before. I'm right. sure it's not the simplest thing. It's the least amount of assumptions. So it's not yeah. necessarily the simplest answer. It is the it's one with the least amount. number of assumptions. Yeah, so I, I was start. You're right. I glossed over. It. I was starting to say that, and then Gil said Occam's razor, and I cut myself off and went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Occam's razor." So you're right. Yeah, thank you for pointing My that fault. out. Yeah, and <laughs> you're you're awesome. Um, but your your question, Jennifer, do you think that they're doing it this way or that way? Um, I don't know, and I don't think I really even care necessarily, only because. This is something that's being presented on the History Channel as truth. Like, clearly, I'm more passionate about Ancient Aliens, the TV show, and that specific movement than I am about, like, the, you know, on Facebook group people. And maybe those people need to be more, be given more um, airtime than the TV show itself. Um, but that is, that is where my big focus is, is you're putting it out to the general public. Like, this isn't a group of people who are seeking out this information and they're they're fact checking everything and they're they're going and like what's the validity of this claim or that claim no this is just everyday people catching it on tv and then going oh you know what there's some credibility to this and they're changing people's minds um about possible interpretations of the past which is fine it's good to challenge our interpretations of the past and, and see what we really know about them but to challenge it in in this way in such with baseless claims that that are backed up by either by ignoring the data, like you said, or by misrepresenting the data or by not seeking it out. It doesn't really matter what their method is for not coming to the right conclusions. It's like they're taking what's out there that tells a more accurate story. And for whatever reason, they're not presenting it. Right. And that well, that's what bothers me. Well, did this surely, and, and this may be a rhetorical question, I don't know. Surely this calls into the question the validity of the History Channel altogether. Yeah. I was thinking this. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, Laura specifically, but Gil, jump in if you have either. Have you actually seen or heard any any criticism towards the History Channel for this and any response for them as to, and to what their excuse is for actually allowing this shit to air? I haven't. Like, I I don't know. Um, I also haven't done the research, so it could be out there. There could be. But it's hard, isn't of... it? Because I think people think of things like the History Channel, for example, as somehow therefore being authoritative. But it's yep. still just money making, profitable like companies. You know, like they're out to make money, and if people watch shows like that, they'll put on shows like that. It's yeah. like that. It's not like they're and just that's capital. sad because they could make a they could make a program about ancient aliens and have it. Uh, you know, a legitimate skeptical program about ancient aliens and said there was this book that was written, there's this movement that's grown up around it, let's actually investigate it and go and look at it. And they could make a perfectly legitimate TV show about that. And it'd be it'd be a good TV show. Mm. And, but they, 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 instead they choose to go down this kind of weird, you know... I think- I think because then it becomes very academic, right? Like this TV show is not at all academic. It presents itself as academic, but it's it's very what's what's the word for getting people's attention? Um, like I want to say salacious, but that's not the right word. It, it's um, but sensationalist. Sensationalist. Thank you. Um, it's very sensationalized, and I don't think that you could take a really accurate, really good skeptical look at any specific movement and have it be sensational. It becomes very almost like dry and boring. It's like if you, if you take a skeptical look at any, at um, say Scientology or Mormonism or whatever, you get this sort of like, here's the explanation, here's the history, here's what people said, here are the arguments against it. And then it becomes sort of dry. But when you have this TV show, that's like, um, or it could be extraterrestrials, right? Like there's just something so grabbing about it right and, and people get kind of like i got hooked on it like i'm still hooked on it even though i think it's a little <laughs> bit of crap just because of the way that they present the material and how it like i i even recorded my son earlier today talking about it when i told him what we were recording he was like 
oh, ancient aliens. I love ancient aliens. It's full of crap. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, oh. That's homeschooling done right, Laura. Homeschooling <laughs> right. But that's why there's, they make the money that they make and that's why they get the attention they get because yeah. um because they are going the the route of it's about the money and not about the, the academic honesty there's a, a factor of this as well which i just think is interesting like the statistical unlikeliness of any alien species ever visiting earth uh yeah obviously we don't know definitively that there is life anywhere else in the universe but it, it obviously it goes back to what we we're saying about Occam's razor, but it's making the assumption that not only is there sufficiently advanced life somewhere else in the galaxy or elsewhere in the universe in order for them to be able to travel the light years of space towards Earth, but that they also, for some reason, decided to come to Earth, which is a very small planet orbiting a small to medium-sized star in a boring galaxy that, you know, like there's just... It, like Even why? if all of that were true, then they came here and specifically interacted with, communicated with, set themselves up as a deity and with people. I mean, the list of assumptions is just endless, isn't it? Like, I don't feel yeah. like I'm anything. I'm just, I'm just. No. But it's- and they seem to have, they seem to have the, uh, the uh, these <clears throat> aliens that they speak of seem to have the kind of entire opposite kind of ideals to the uh, like Star Trek prime directive instead of don't interfere in primitive culture it's like dive in dive in and like do as much let's as manipulate these people yeah War one become god there, there is actually an episode of star trek the original series where they they come across some i mean it's a long time since i've seen it so i may get the details wrong but they come across like apollo zeus people like that i think and uh, they actually explained that yes, they 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 wouldn't they're not gods. They are aliens who visited Earth, and that's where their stories grew up from. Uh, oh, I, I don't remember too many details about it so long, but that's like the sixties. That's around the same same time as I mean, I don't know when was Von Daniken's book written in the seventies. I think I it was around know. that time period. Yeah, it, I I don't have the date off the top of my head, but. As well, even in terms of hypotheses for the creation of gods in ancient humans and stuff, like we have a, a quite good ideas about how those might have come about. And again, this is one of those where the idea of worshiping the sun, for example, makes a lot of sense when you don't know what the sun is, yeah. as opposed to an alien species. You know, like ha- whichever side you come at it from, whether it's the 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 thing itself happening or the ex- the sort of questions that it's trying to answer having easier and simpler and more understandable answers there's no way about this which is good for the people who believe this none of them yeah that's where like looking at it just from a skeptical perspective um so i get so i kind of get the god of the gaps in in a sense that like i get our want to fill in our blanks of information with something right and i get the aliens of the gaps what 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 I struggle with with this one is it's not just about filling in the gaps of our knowledge. It's about taking what we know and warping it or changing it. And um, and in some cases it's it's good. Like I said, to challenge like is this really the way that things happened or is this the only interpretation of this information that we have or these artifacts that we have? Can we look at them differently? That's great. Like I love all of that. But when you start coming to solid conclusions and saying no 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 this is more likely than the the historical narrative. Um, I, I really start to question like that, that is where skepticism just, just goes to the wayside and where people just decide like, well, it, it sounds good to me or I'm, I'm attracted to this idea or whatever the case may be. It's um, a good idea for a film. What's that? It's a good idea for a film. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's good for a thought. Like I love it as a thought experiment. I love the idea of like, we've probably in the past had higher um, forms of technology and lost them through war or disaster or famine or whatever. Like, I'm sure we made starts and stops and starts and stops and slid backwards technologically and all this stuff. I think we'd be surprised to find out um, some things about our past. But <laughs> there, there was the, uh, the uh, no, I, I, I can't remember the name of it, and I'm probably going to fuck it up, but the, the anti, I'm going to say clitoris, it's not that. The anti clitoris machine. The, uh, what, what was it called? It was like this kind of. It was found on a shipwreck. 
<laughs> I'm fully against it, anti-clitoris machines, just so was, the whole was, audience knows. Are we a pro-clitoris show? It was found, we are a pro-clitoris show, yes, <laughs> very much so. Um, it was found on the shipwreck, and it was kind of an ancient set of really detailed cogs that that were oh, found together, and, and the, the, there was some speculation from our ancient alien believing friends that this was definitive evidence that alien technology had existed in in the past but i don't remember the name of it um and obviously we'll a lot of it so you're 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 you're, you're somewhat close so it's the anti-kithera anti-kithera anti right okay yeah i'm <laughs> even looking at the pronunciation of it anti-kithera yeah so you're you're pretty close you're not too bad off i i did have to look it up so it's a little bit like cheating but no, delete your internet. It's probably for the best, given the pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like that one needed to be dealt with. <laughs> but you're right. You know, from, from what I know about it, um, and now I've closed that window down. I'm not going to cheat. But um, from what I know about it, it was it was something that demonstrates like a really rudimentary early like computer computing system. I shouldn't say computer system, but computing system. And um, what I think that shows us is that our minds and, and the technological advancements that we've made, um, ancient people were not stupid, right? <laughs> like they innovated a lot and they came up with a lot of different ways of, of doing things. And this is an example of that. Um, I don't think it's an example of advanced aliens because it's still very rudimentary. It's just advanced for that specific, the, the, the time period that it dates to. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, well, we're coming up onto a commercial break, but yeah. after we come back, Let's go into some of the specific claims made by ancient alien proponents as, as rather than just the kind of general ancient people visited us, but what they actually said. Uh, awesome. I like it. Okay, so let's just let's go to a commercial break. doing me and laura have got something really good coming up haven't we we're going to be on uh if we're, we're doing a parenting we did a special a few weeks ago uh skeptical parenting on on if was and it was brilliant it was a big panel but uh myself and justin who's one of the regulars on there and we're going to be regular hosts on yes. i think it's a monthly show we're doing isn't it uh, yeah discussing par- secular parenting. parenting yeah, yeah. I say secular and you say skeptical. I hope it's a little bit yeah, of it is, it is secular. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm getting confused because as far as I understand it, the first episode is going to be about skepticism. And yeah, inter- uh, introducing skepticism. skepticism. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got uh, our friend Bree McCune on there. Uh, they're coming on as a special guest and I'm so excited. Uh, yes. It's always great working with Bree. Um, so we're going to be doing that. And that's Sunday. That's this coming Sunday. The first episode of that is... So, you know, we'll we'll put it in our Facebook group, set your calendars and your clocks and whatever else you need to set to be reminded and uh, go and watch that. And, you know, we'll probably be, well, I'll probably be nervous. Laura will probably just chat like normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be, we'll, uh, I'm not nervous at all. I'm excited. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. So let's advertise a bit for the past because this is happening tonight, but I don't want to just gloss over it like you're just about to. Um, you have your one year anniversary episode of Skeptic Takeout coming up while we're recording it. It's tonight. So it will have been it's in the past. Will have yeah. been in the past. It's one of those on future past things we do sometimes. Yes. So <laughs> go back to his channel if you didn't happen to catch it live. Um, go back to his channel and watch his year anniversary. That's one year of producing videos. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, thank you, Laura, for shouting that. Do go and watch it and hopefully it's turned out okay. <laughs> And oh, Bill, have you got is, anything coming up, Laura? Um, I don't. I don't really. I've got to get past some some work stuff I've got going on and personal stuff. So I'm trying to pace myself. Well, somewhere on that priority list should Laura be <laughs> interacting with other um, amazing humans on our Facebook discussion group? Absolutely. Uh, you can find the link to that on our handy Linktree um, page, which is Linktree slash Skeptic Hangout. Um, and I've not put it on there as of recording, but I will have put on there as well a link to our merch store. 
Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, we are we are delving into merch, people. I, and I did that very Scottish thing and fell for our own marketing and went and bought all the stuff off it. <laughs> so you know it works. <laughs> I, I got so excited when I saw the notification of a sale. I was like, someone's bought something. Oh, it's Jova. Okay. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's like when your mom buys your you. first work of art. You're like, oh, it's just my mom. <laughs> no, but there's so much stuff you can yeah. buy. Yeah, there is. Well, because on the first page when it comes up, it gives you like an example product from each of the designs. And underneath it just says like shop all products or something. And you can click on that and it shows that design on like 80 million different things. So, yeah, go there. Yeah. All right. right. I think it's time to head back to the show. Okay. Welcome back from commercial break. Um, Before we left, we had talked about um, getting away from the general claims and especially the TV show. I think we've kind of stomped that one enough into the ground. But Jilliver mentioned wanting to get into some of the individual claims that people make um, in terms of the ancient alien belief. So I'm going to let you two kind of start with it. What, what have you guys heard as some of the beliefs that are out there? Um, well, I know there's been like depictions of things, haven't there? Uh, like I mentioned before of like things that look like space suit wearing humanoid people, presumably humans. Um, and I think it's really easy with our modern day eyes to look at depictions of things and see patterns or pictures of things that are not really there. Um, you know, when even when we think about like, written texts from long ago where we've got words that have meanings we can read completely different ideas into them you know however many hundreds or thousands of years later compared to the meanings that were evident to the people who wrote it and for whom it was written Um, and I think in lots of ways pictorial representations of ideas can be in some ways easier to understand you know if it's a scene of something happening like you know, animals with people or whatever, you can, is this a hunting scene or whatever, but if it's something that's unknown, I think it's one of those things where it's easy to jump to a conclusion of, oh, this looks like something I know, in this case, an astronaut, so therefore let's create this whole idea behind what that would be. Whereas actually, we talk about this a lot in scepticism in terms of a better answer might just be, I don't know what this is representing yet. You know, we forget that pictorial representations of ideas also have contexts. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about context yeah. of the written word quite a lot, don't we? Uh, you know, people talk about, you know, all oh, this passage in the Bible, you're taking that out of context. You don't know the context of that, which is usually a... a which is very thing. easy to do, actually, because if we're talking about the uh, Hebrew uh, texts, yeah. ri- written Hebrew is a, a consonant-based language. Mm-hmm. So the it, it's pretty well understood among scholars that to understand, this is why there's so much different interpretation of the Old Testament stuff, because it's pretty well understood that uh, to understand that, you had to have the, the kind of uh, the nuances of the words that were written were actually only available in the spoken language. Right. And 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 that's so a lot of people who are looking at on the surface level don't see that and they'll see words and interpret them. And even among scholars, there's different interpretations yeah. because of that. And I think it's even things like take just as a random example, the book of Revelation in the Bible which people nowadays read and think is about future events, whereas lots of people at the time would have read as a metaphor for what was going on with uh, the Roman Empire and occupation of, you know, where they were and whatnot. The same idea about context is still valid and evident when you're looking at pictorial representations of things. And if we don't know what the context of things are, we need to try and find that out to the best of our ability in order to best understand those things as they are so I mean like you know are there any written accounts of things at the time which might explain things do we have other representations of things in pictures which are similar which might give us more clues and a bigger picture as to what's going on um jumping to the conclusion of oh well this is something in the popular consciousness of people in the 19th and 20th centuries or 20th and 21st centuries just is a is a, a jump that's far too easy to make and people should even just by default think Maybe I need to think it, you know, more into this rather than, oh yeah, astronauts. 
I think you're you're making a really really good point. I think that that point extends Thanks. far beyond the ancient aliens um, phenomena. So, like, I think there's a lot of um, even historians and anthropologists and and paleontologists and stuff do tend to have their own sort of um, cultural biases or filters or whatever, and they'll look at stuff and interpret things in certain ways. And so, um, I don't think it's just the ancient aliens people who do that, who will like see a picture of something or, or read something in a scripture or see a, a something that was made by, by an ancient civilization and then draw their own conclusions. I think that happens all the time. And I think that's something to keep in mind. So I think, um, that it's, it's sort of a good lesson for us, not just in, in being skeptical against the ancient aliens phenomena and like, well, is there any credibility to it or why jump to that conclusion? But also it, it reminds us to take a step back and sort of at least keep an open mind with where this stuff came from. Like I, I remember studying one specific, um, it was a mythology we were, and it was, we were studying a whole bunch of mythologies and it was just a, a short mention of this one. And it was like, well, all we know about this mythology is this one, um, what is it called? Uh, when there's like a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, it, it was multiple yeah. pictures. What's that? No. Like no, a mosaic kind of thing, but that's not the right word. Um, so it had a series of pictures and it told a story. And um, and you look at the pictures and, and they're just like individual people doing individual things and each one's different, right? And they're like, they built this whole mythology around it. And my first thought when I read that was like, well, how, how did you come to this specific conclusion that this is the mythology? Because they built a whole story around this, this um, mural and to learn that the mural doesn't tell the story. Like there's no story written down that the mural tells. And they're like, oh, here, reference the story. It's more like we found the mural and we came up with a story. Um, it's even that, things like often in, in old, uh, like, drawings or paintings or whatever of, of events that happened, you'll often see the same person in multiple places because they show different times happening, even though it looks like they're in the same place. The per same person in different places actually represents the same person at different points in time. Whereas you might look at that and think, oh, well, a group of people doing similar things. Or, you know, there are so many variables to what things mean when yeah when you don't have that context and i think it's you've just got to be conscious of that when you're looking at anything like this yeah yeah i think the skepticism is is healthy just all around yeah yeah i think we should definitely be more comfortable saying hey here's this mural we have no idea what it means yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's two ways to look at stuff in there and i'm, I'm going to bring it forward slightly from the kind of the pictures we're talking about because i, I did a unit at university on art, art history just just to kind of get the you know historical faculties uh, in order and, and and look at how, uh, how how to investigate stuff like that and and in the like 16th and 17th century the pictures were full of meaning and there's two ways you can look at them you can look at them as a piece of art without understanding anything about them and just appreciate them or you can look at them and understand the context of them and get that fuller, deeper meaning, which is obviously what you're going to do if you're a historian. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think the same is probably true. And I'd, Laura probably knows more about this with your anthropological background than I do. But so, so I expect that's to, the same if you go like further and further back. You can look at something, you can whether it's just a, a sculpted animal bone, you could look at something and and appreciate it for what it is yeah. just as the basic thing or you can try and understand it in its actual context in situ from the time period it came from and what it would have meant to those people mm -hmm. and there's no there's no right or wrong way to to do that you can appreciate it for just being a, a piece of art from from the time or you can ap appreciate it in its cultural context what you shouldn't do is just make shit up about it because it fits a narrative that you want to place on the object. And it, it yeah. links up with lots of things we talked about in our pseudoscience episode in terms of, you know, that idea of if you've got lots and lots of weak evidence, it doesn't amount to strong evidence of something. <laughs> and so when you've got lots of different examples of, well, there's this representation here, there's this idea here, this question mark over this historical event that we don't really understand yet, all of that adds up to this great big concept and idea. But mm -hmm. you just laugh with loads of rubbish evidence for something that doesn't actually come to fruition. So, uh, you know, 
you need better evidence <laughs> to come yeah. to those conclusions. Yeah, not more of the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that that actually kind of brings us back to, um, and I think that was a good way of kind of bringing it back around, like the different claims of the ancient aliens uh, followers, right? So um, we brought up one claim, but there's there's a whole bunch more. And like one one of the things that was my my favorite is um, so we have these big monolithic things that people have done throughout history, and we don't really have a good idea of how they did them. Um, so that the big claim here is that because man didn't have the technology to do it, aliens came down and for whatever reason, and the, the reasons change depending on who you talk to or depending on which episode it is, if we're going back to the show, right? The, the reasons or the motivations um, can be different um, for why the aliens would come down and do such a thing. But the idea being that like, um, oh, these monolithic structures are well beyond the capacity of, of humans, especially ancient humans, to have built. Um, therefore, aliens came down. And, um, and one, getting away from the pyramids, because the pyramids, I think, are a little bit cliche, are the, the, um, the Nazca lines and the, the, the big, like, um, animals in Nazca that, like, they're outlined on Geoglyphs. the Geoglyphs. They're, they're what? Geoglyphs. Geoglyphs, yeah, thank you, Yeah. <laughs> So they're ginormous. You can't really see them from the ground. You can't you can't see what the full picture is from the ground. But when you zoom out and look from up in the air, you can see these these giant pictures. There's like um, humanoid looking things. There's animal looking things. There's designs. And um, lines. Yeah, lo- straight lines. Yeah. And the conclusion is, well, why make that art for anyone who's grounded and can't see the art? Clearly, it was made for people looking at it from above. So clearly, it was made. If I was for- making that art today, I would absolutely get someone to come with a drone and take photos of that because you can't see it from the ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in ancient times, when they made these things, they wouldn't have been able to do that, right? Or that's the assumption. Like, who knows? But um, so that I just wanted to get back to the the claims, and that was one that that I found. Um, and I could be wrong, but from from my understanding and what I hear that seems to be one of the cornerstone claims is, I mean, there's lots of little claims that go around it and lots of little, like what Richard Gill was saying, a plethora of bad evidence to back up the thing. But that seems to be one of the biggest cornerstones is, is the. Do you think it's really easy to like underestimate humans in the past? Because we, we have lots of technology which does stuff for us nowadays. And it's like, I can't even think of like the concept of, digging an underground tunnel without the use of modern machinery but people in the past didn't have that so had to if they wanted to do that um and so i think it's really easy to think well without a modern technology how on earth would people have done that well if they wanted to what other option did they have but then to just find some way of doing it and yeah like we say we don't know necessarily what those ways were or what the means were or why people necessarily wanted to do some of those things but you know it's like here's another example like you were saying lauren it doesn't link directly with the ancient aliens but sort of backs up an idea you were saying about the geoglyphs Mm -hmm. you know like there were people in ancient times who set out cities in a certain pattern or a certain shape you know like the city of um oh i've completely forgotten it was one of the big early um islamic cities uh but it was like fully circular city no medina no (laughs) baghdad so baghdad Baghdad. Baghdad was like a fully circular city, but like probably most places where you were in the city, you wouldn't have seen the fact that the city was circular. Like that wouldn't necessarily have been evident because you're just surrounded by these buildings. But you know that if you looked at a map of the city, it would have had those representations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you might think, well, what's the point of making it circular then if you can't even see while you're inside that the whole city is that shape? But that's not always the reason people do things, is it? You know, sometimes, you know, with those geoglyphs, perhaps it was the fact that, um, you know, people were just worked out a way of doing something bigger than they were able to. So, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but I think I'm sure I've seen somewhere that they actually they had smaller uh, representations of at least some of the larger pictures, which suggested they were working to a scale. Yeah. And uh, so. And and one of one of the claims about this these things is they served especially the the straight lines. I'm thinking of one in particular where it kind of goes off the edge of a cliff, and the claim mm-hmm. is that it, it was a, it was a, a landing runway, 
Yeah. <laughs> because it kind of looks like one. Like our, our minds spaceships. like to pick yeah. up patterns. Yeah. Oh, it looks like a landing strip. Clearly it was a landing strip. And why, why do why do our minds like to pick up patterns, guys? Let's not, it's not <laughs> advertise our uh, merchandise. Human uh, <laughs> because human brains are shit. That's why <laughs> human... <laughs> Speak for like, yourself, man. Mine works just fine. <laughs> like our our like space shuttles and spacecraft don't land on a landing strip, so I don't know why we suddenly think that alien spacecraft do. But that's a separate point. I'm pretty sure space shuttles do land on a landing strip, though. No, we just chuck down like pods into the sea. No, not space shuttles. No, the shuttles land, land but yeah. All oh, right, shush then. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean. You're right. Like there's there's a sort of blend of high and low technology when you're trying to determine ancient alien, like how it fits into our past and to try and make it make sense. The aliens had incredibly advanced technology to the point where um, they could come from another galaxy or even another arm of our galaxy, certainly another solar system. Right. Um, and they have the technology to build all these great things. But they they had like the things that they left behind, like that little anti-kithera mechanism, right, are so rudimentary and so, like, it, it may have worked at the time for ancient people, but it wouldn't have been even how we do it today in our current technology, right? Like, we wouldn't have done the pyramids the way we did them if we had advanced technology. They would have been better, <laughs> right? But the, that's the best that aliens could do, and it, it kind of generally lines up with with how people would learn how to build, right? You You put the the base is wider and then it gets narrower at the top because that's the most structurally sound way of doing it. Like why would the aliens choose such a rudimentary way of building us something? Why not build us like a floating sky city and be like here. And of course we have a temporal uh, map of how the pyramids developed. Right. They, they, they didn't just start out as these fantastic large buildings. There were a there few were crap attempts before, yeah. <laughs> beforehand, which fell down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's another interesting thing about the ancient aliens claims is we have a relatively good idea of how most technological advancements, how they progress. Like we, we don't have that for everything, but like we even have um, forms of ancient like um, medicines and how we used to do things medically. Um, And we, we even have like, um, like cooking and day-to-day, just very rudimentary, boring day-to-day things. Like how it developed um, throughout human history to now where we have microwaves, right? We didn't go straight to the microwave. And so it's, and it we're is. In a time, we're in a time where like we have access to pretty much all of this information as well. Like you can find out all of that information, but the issue is, is mixed in with all this other crap that people have come up with as well. You know, if you're trying to find out information about stuff like this, you will come across ancient alien propaganda you know and it's that that whole thing of trying to pilfer out the good stuff and mm-hmm. leave the scum on the top and try and chuck that out and yeah. it does it does get really confusing though like what to believe and when and what's what's credible information and what's not it is yeah a lot for even academic minds to wrap their minds around and sometimes people are wrong like they draw wrong conclusions as academics as people who spend their lives studying these things so I kind of get why the everyday person, like we're in this environment where A, we're given a plethora of information and B, we're taught to doubt it. But instead of being skeptical and doubting everything, we just sort of latch onto these ideas and be like, well, this idea is the truth. God damn it. Right. Yeah, and it, does, it doesn't help when the legitimate science uh, does get it wrong. Yeah. And that that's fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of the scientific method or scientific methods is is getting it wrong sometimes there's nothing wrong with that the problem is there are always people stood on the outside waiting to take advantage of that and say look see told you that wasn't true they were wrong or science changes its mind all the time what's that (laughs) and then the history channel buys it and broadcasts it you know if they just called themselves something else i probably wouldn't have such a problem with that show like (laughs) just don't call yourself the history channel (laughs) yeah call yourself the what if channel i don't care but yeah. Talking, talking about uh, bringing it back round to the kind of individual claims, and talking about uh, as, as Laura said, one of the big, the big ones with the uh, uh, with the structures and things with the the megaliths. Mm-hmm. What 
the, one of the cornerstone ones that I've seen is the old pointer-headed skulls. I don't know if you uh, you've seen these. The elongated skulls. Yeah, mm-hmm. in in uh, which was kind of I don't want to go off too, too much off topic, but if if you if you've seen the was it the fourth Indiana Jones film, the crystal? Oh, no, the crystal skulls. skulls. So, are you talking about the elongated of, skulls or the? Crystal? I was talking about the elongated skulls, oh, okay. but if you watch the film, yeah, that it actually makes us two mysteries. Uh, one was the crystal skulls, which, as far as I can tell, the the I think there'd been three or something found. I'm not sure how many have actually been found around the world. But the, the best example, the best looking, the best machined example is was found in France in like the 17th, 18th centuries or something. And uh, it was, no, it was after that, the 19th century. It was purported to have been discovered inside a, a pyramid in an old Aztec pyramid somewhere or something like that. Um, it's probably a forgery, but it kind of mixed those, but there's a whole kind of subculture of like mystery and pseudoscience around those as well. But it kind of mixes that idea with the elongated skulls. And if you see that film, these crystal skulls are elongated so and, and belong to actual extraterrestrial beings. But the actual elongated skulls themselves, uh, some cultures bind the skulls of the young children. And they still that, do it today. Oh, do they? I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, they're still skull, at least to my understanding, they're still skull binding and they're still neck lengthening too. So. Yeah. There are still cultures that, I mean, body manipulation. Oh, there's this really cool TV show. I think it's called Taboo or something. I can't quite remember, but um, about body manipulation and the the links that we will go to to manipulate our bodies. And that has been going on for long, long time, right? So yeah, it doesn't even surprise me that we would find some bodies that have um, these what we would call deformities or oh that can't be a human skull because of the shape and stuff. And it's yeah, like you. That's a great example of skepticism, though, because it's it's something that when these skulls were found, they didn't exactly understand why that they were elongated. Right. And and there are people so willing to jump on it must be aliens because in our in our kind of Western mythology about aliens, the cinematic mythology about aliens, have kind of for a long time depicted been depicted of having long or big heads. Yeah. So it fit that narrative. So when when these things are discovered, it fits that narrative, and it's so easy to fall on that without asking too many questions. And I think that's a that's a great example, the elongated skulls of that, and and of what I think Richard was talking about earlier, just being patient. And if we don't know, just admit we don't know, and you know, yeah. work towards understanding rather than trying to fit it into a narrative that we you've already got. Well, I think one thing that we can do better is be more careful with our own narratives, right? Like, especially historical narratives. I think, like, we are by nature, I don't know if you guys have read the book Sapiens. Um, It's a really, really good one for how our advancements and our storytelling go hand in hand, right? Like, when we start telling stories, that's when you start getting religions. That's when you start getting technological advancements because those advancements are just a story. Like, here, you take this stick and you take this rock and you bind it this way. Now you have a hammer. Like that is a story. That's something you're telling someone, you're teaching someone, you're showing them how to do it, right? It's passing knowledge on from one generation to a next. And um, one thing that we're still not careful enough about, um, especially in the academic world, is is controlling the the. I want to say the validity of the the narratives. So being more willing to say things like, "Well, we don't know, but we suspect," or "These are our theories," or "These are our ideas." Because when, when it gets to a documentary or when it gets to a book or a magazine, it is presented as scientists think this. And then you go back and you read what the scientists are saying and you, you listen to their interviews and you watch them talk. And they're like, well, no, some scientists think that, but not all scientists. <coughs> and there's these yeah. other contending ideas. And, da, 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 da. and I think that we're shooting ourselves in the foot a lot. I think it's difficult. And I think I've done it this episode when I was talking about the ancient Hebrew language. And I think it's still difficult when you've got a, a subject knowledge in a certain area uh, and you're talking about it colloquially mm-hmm. and you understand what you're talking about, but you're yeah. trying to put it across in a way where other people will understand it. Sometimes it becomes slightly bastardized without your meaning to do it. And if, as if well people as, like trying to get them to understand as well, just to try and get them to be interested in what you're saying. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah well, that's that's yeah. An, another thing entirely, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's how like you know I've got a, a stack of popular science magazines on my shelf, and I know how to use them. What I do is I read the the kind of headlines and the stories, and then I could do further research. But for most people, the kind of sensationalist headlines contained in them are enough. And yeah. you know, that, yeah, that's, I think that's, on, I think that's sorry. why we need we need more. Um, I, I kind of going back to what Gil was saying with the whole yeah, but it's boring and like people aren't entertained by it. We need more science educators, kind of like the Neil deGrasse Tyson types, who are willing to a they're willing to say we don't know, or they're willing to say no, these are our best guesses. Like his whole thing on dark matter, he's like, we shouldn't call it dark matter, we should call it Fred, right? Like, because then it, it puts a picture in people's heads of what it's going to be and it skews any sort of conversations about it, right? And it could even potentially skew the way scientists approach it mentally, like the 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 way, like they, they will no longer think outside the box, right? They've now put dark matter into a box. Um, but the whole idea is that he also makes it accessible accessible to and entertaining to everyday people, right? I think lots of the ideas that are talked about in science, and I know this is not necessarily ancient aliens, but like, Lots of the ideas that are talked about in science are incredibly exciting and awe-inspiring, but you read the paper on them and it doesn't sound it. I think we should oh. just know it. Neil deGrasse Tyson to be the only person allowed to speak about science because they're going to very clearly <laughs> and we'll find it as interesting okay. as it is. Yes. <laughs> or just have one more. Yeah. We were talking in, in, was it last week when we did economy and how, how exciting the, the whole thing about space is if you don't necessarily have to go to deep space because yeah. we've got so many mysteries in our own solar system still. But right. the, the thing is, when I think those scientific, boring scientific papers, the people who do understand them are incredibly exciting. Yeah. It's, it's just, they're just not to the rest of us yeah. who don't. So we need it. We need it breaking down in a palatable kind of way. But this is, as long as we kind of try and do our best to explain while we're doing that, that that is what we're doing. Because it can be taken so easily out of context if we don't. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had on... so many conversations. Oh, I was just going to say, are we on sort of final thoughts? Or... I think we are, yeah, because we're coming to the end of the yeah. show. Go on, I, then, I, seeing as you started thought, it, you go. <laughs> I, think, I think my final thought is that all of this is definitely something which should be turned into at least a trilogy of movies. Um <laughs> And that's my final thought. <laughs> I like that. I don't know. My, my final thought is that um, we, we are a very curious species and we like to tell stories. And I think that the more that we can sort of embrace that and be truthful about where we have our actual knowledge and where we're filling in the gaps, um, be more forthcoming about it and less eager to come to solid conclusions the less we will have bad ideas like this getting perpetuated because people won't be so 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 eager to to jump to these kinds of conclusions if if we're all allowed to be a little bit more not just skeptical but a little bit more doubtful if we're allowed to say i don't know and have that be the most academically honest and the most intelligent answer to give then people are less likely to to and i don't i don't think this is gonna like be a like a cure-all for all bad ideas but i think when it comes to ideas like ancient aliens um it really stems from people's desire to want to know but lack of ability to fully understand what we think is true like what's truth and what's speculation yeah what she said um i don't know what i just said it sounded like a bunch of words on it i can't really talk that the the thing is if you were I, i think that you were when when you're looking at these things, you've got to everybody, no matter how skeptical you believe to be, because it's it's all right laughing at ancient aliens and Giorgio, whatever his face is, with the silly hair, making all these wild claims. But th- there are there are much subtler things than that going off in life too, which we all fall prey to because human brains are shit. And They're what now? the thing what? is, <laughs> human brains are shit hashtag and, by merch <laughs> <laughs> the uh I, I think if if you understand that you're prone to seeing things on face value seeing the magazine headline as 
the truth or uh, seeing the TV show on the History Channel and thinking it's true just because it's on the History Channel. Just stop and take a moment and, you know, interrogate your beliefs. We say it every single week. Interrogate why you think that and just, you know, if you still think it at the end of the process, then fine, but, you know, at least give it a go and don't just dive in feet first and say, right, this is it, I'm committing myself to accepting this. And if you do dive in feet first and you get it wrong, and then you realise you're wrong afterwards, don't think, well, I'm in it now, I'm, I've got to perpetuate it. Pull yourself out and admit you were wrong, even if it's just to yourself, because that's all that matters. There's just never be about honest time to, to ask yourself. Those yeah. No, never. A change in a belief or a change in a, a perspective is not ever going to be as painful as you think it is, ever. It's, no. If anything, it's going to be liberating. So, yeah, don't be afraid to, to challenge and change those beliefs. Yeah, And very often it's a slow process as well. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was, I'm, I'm sure I, I heard Laura say this, I don't know if, if it was on this show or when we were on the non-profits. And, and Laura said it was, I'm sure it was Laura who said it, that it's sometimes it's not until you're like years in the future that you realised, looking back on how bad your beliefs were, that you realize how bad your beliefs were. It's yeah. not always a eureka moment. Yeah, it was something about superstition so- when we were talking about that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, this is, this is the point in the show where I thank all you people for listening. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Without you guys, there would be no us sitting here talking. Or we'd still be sitting here talking. We just wouldn't That's be That's bullshit. We would, we would absolutely still be adults. <laughs> <laughs> still be adults. <laughs> with a subscriber of one and it's my mom right we still be here chatting but i'm so glad you guys came to join us and um thank you guys for all your interaction on the facebook page too if you're not interacting on facebook i highly recommend you go there and check it out because um this is a one-hour show and facebook is up 24 7 so that's a great way to keep the conversation going and to point out all the mistakes that we make and how when we're running our mouths, we get things wrong too. So that's always my favorite part is figuring out how incredibly flawed I am. Um, Cause it's just so wonderful. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for joining us and we will catch you next time. In the meantime, I am Laura. Richard. And Richard, and I'm off to invent the clitoris machine. <laughs> I know you are not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what does it do <laughs> before I get too negative about it? stay skeptical and all that jazz we'll and we'll see, see you, you guys next time, next time. I need a, a, a wee wee and a cup yeah. of tea. Oh, I think God, I've really quick.